Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hello everyone, this is Rena, and here I am trying to help figure out how to help you live longer, healthier and happier. So of course the buzz around is that the ketogenic diet truly can help us live longer. In fact, there's been two recent scientific studies that independently concluded that a ketogenic diet increased lifespan, preserved memory and motor function in mice. Now of course the question is, is it going to do the same for us humans? So I had to get out there and see who I could find as our keto experts to help us answer some questions. And I found for us the amazing Dr. Don D'Agostino. He is a professor. He's a leading authority. He's done some amazing research. He's, in fact, the associate professor at the University of South Florida in the Department of Molecular Pharmacology and Physiology. He's a senior research scientist at the Institute for Human and Machine Cognition. And he is here to answer all our tough and fun questions today. Hi, Dr. Dom. Welcome. Hi, Rena. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. You are quite the Great scientist and you're quite, quite the amazing adventure man out there with NASA and deep diving and staying in nutritional ketosis. And of course, it looks like you've been doing this for about 10 years. So way before the ketogenic diet became popular. Yeah, I feel really lucky to be able to do what I do, and it's really exciting every day to be studying this topic and to be working with agencies like NASA. So what is the ketogenic diet for those of our listeners who are still scratching their heads going, is it is it bacon and beef? Is that what it is? Yeah, it uh, not really. So a ketogenic diet differs, you know, from a standard diet in, in many different ways, and it's not... Uh, it's also, most importantly, it's not a high-protein diet. So it's, it's really a high-fat diet, meaning that the percentage of the calories that, that make up the diet are at least typically 65 to 70% fat. And, and that would even be for a more liberal version of the ketogenic diet. That would be for a modified ketogenic diet that's used uh, clinically uh, for adult epilepsy. Uh, the classical ketogenic diet is like 90% fat. And the other, the balance of the calories would come from protein. Uh, So with the classical ketogenic diet, it's just like 10 to 12% protein, enough to prevent protein deficiency uh, and a very minimal amount of carbohydrates, usually in the form of uh, a small amount of fibrous vegetables, green leafy vegetables and things like that. So uh, it mimics the metabolic state of fasting meaning that when you're eating calories that are have a makeup of the ketogenic diet ratios, that your body produces these uh, ketone bodies, which are breakdown products of fat. Uh, typically, this happens if you're fasting from your own body fat. But when you're on the ketogenic diet, it occurs primarily from the fat that you're eating. And, uh, and ketones are an alternative fuel for your brain to function on. So if you're eating carbo, if a carbohydrate-restricted diet, it's a way that your, your, your brain is transitioning from the use of glucose to ketone bodies. And that takes a while to get into that state. But that, that is like the definition of the ketogenic diet. And people think they are following a ketogenic diet, but the, the true litmus test would be to actually measure your blood ketone levels. And if they're not elevated, you are clinically not in ketosis, so you're not following a ketogenic diet or you're not in a physiological state of ketosis. And, and we know there are benefits to being in a state of uh, ketosis, uh, whether it be sustained for if you're managing you know, something like epilepsy or perhaps just intermittently going into ketosis every once in a while for the health benefits or preventative, you know, uh, prevention benefits to it. So, so are you it's saying it's really a, a ratio the 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 ratio of the macronutrients define the ketogenic diet that's the main point. So what does your plate need to look like? What was that what's my plate? Yeah, so when like? you're when you've got a plate full of food, what should that yeah, look uh, like? 
to just so we can convert percentages into what that actually means. So I'm standing at a buffet line. I've got a plate yeah. that just heard Dr. Dom tell me I need to be close to 90% in fats. And some, so what does that mean? What What's on my plate? What's on your plate? How what What's your typical meal plan look like? Yeah, so my food selection may be a little unique for people. <laughs> I, I would uh, urge people to like, go get a book like the ketogenic Bible and look in the back. And then there's tons of pictures of food that are ketogenic in, in nature, you know, in, in makeup, but I'll explain, let me, I'll look back to the last 24 hours and, and mm-hmm. what I ate. Uh, this morning I had a, a four egg omelet and, uh, Actually, I have a, a growing uh, puppy that uh, needs kind of extra protein, so I actually uh, remove some of the whites and actually make a, a an omelet from the egg yolks, right, which tastes better anyway, and give some of the whites and mix it in with the food of my dogs and make, uh, I think I had a, uh, a spinach and, uh, and mushroom omelet from the yolks and what else, and I had a little bit of, you know, leftover salad from the night before and the salad dressing that I made was uh, made from a mixture of olive oil and uh, medium-chain triglyceride oil, MCT oil, which is derived mm-hmm. from coconut oil. It's just a little bit thinner uh, with some herbs in it and, and stuff like that. So a little bit of greens on the side with an omelet, and that was uh, that was my breakfast. And then typically, you know, because it's higher in fat, it has a satiating effect, and I tend not to get uh, hungry during the day. So, you know, more than like 10 hours went by and, and I'm not hungry. Wow. And that's one of the benefits of the ketogenic diet. Whereas if I would have a bowl of cereal with some skim milk, you know, at six or seven in the morning, I would be hungry again by like 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. typically, you know, looking back when I used to eat that way. So that's one of the benefits. And for dinner, uh, I always make some kind of green, whether it be a lot of asparagus and broccoli uh, with cauliflower. I cook it to it's like a little bit soft and I put it in a food processor with some butter and some salt and pepper. And I make what's called, you know, cauliflower mashed potatoes, right? So it looks like mashed potatoes. It even tastes like it, but it's made from cauliflower and it has like, like cool. virtually no carbohydrates in it. So that's a classical sort of like that's ketogenic mashed potatoes. And I'll have some kind of... Uh, you know, meat or chicken, or I eat a lot of fish. Uh, so over the last couple of days, I've had, you know, uh, salmon or trout or some kind of fish on the side, typically a fatty fish that's mm-hmm. cooked uh, with butter and, and maybe some other things on it. And for, I make a ketogenic chocolate mousse at night, which uh, fits those ketogenic ratios that we talked about, which is uh, I use a sugar-free coconut, concentrated coconut milk, which is more like a coconut cream. It mm-hmm. has the consistency of uh, something like sour cream. And I take that with some dark chocolate baking cocoa and uh, maybe a few other things in there like crushed up uh, almonds and things and mix it up with a little bit of stevia, stevia and cinnamon and kind of stir it up. And it has the consistency of like a chocolate mousse. And I could put it in the fridge and kind of bring it out later for a snack. So, and I, I also have the opportunity to, um, to test a lot of new ketogenic foods that are coming on the market. Mm-hmm. And that could be, I mean, I have waffles tomorrow night. I'll be testing like That's a fun job. waffles and yeah, a cinnamon roll. There's a cinnamon roll, uh, you know, but basically it's pretty simple eating. And if you look, there's a lot of resources online. If someone just does, you know, ketogenic diet uh, cookbooks or something like that, you'll get a lot of resources that tell you how to cook and how to measure out the ratios. And mm-hmm. it's really food selection has been a turnoff for some people, but I think of it as kind of like an indulgent way of eating because I'm eating things that I used to avoid in the past. And I also eat a lot more vegetables. So people think, so I followed the modified form of the ketogenic diet, which is a little more liberal Mm -hmm. in regards to a little more protein instead of like 10 or 12%, it's more like 20 to 30% protein. And I get more, a little bit more vegetables, uh, typically in the form of like one or two salads per day. And then some sauteed like uh, collard greens or spinach or a lot of uh, asparagus too, I like to cook. And who is this ketogenic diet for? So someone who's listening and going, should I try it? What do you recommend? How do I decide if the ketogenic diet's right for me? 
Yeah, you have to figure out, you know, why are you using it? So uh, my background as a neuroscientist is really uh, studying seizures. That's kind of the focus, the primary focus of my research. And now we study a lot of different things. Uh, there are a wide variety of people that contact me have seizures from a broad range of etiologies for a broad range of causes. So that would be, you know, probably the most accepted medical. It's actually the, the standard of care for people who have seizures to follow this diet, especially if it's refractory to drug treatment or it does not respond to drug treatment. The ketogenic diet works when drugs fail. And we know many of the anti-epileptic drugs have all sorts of side effects. But uh, over the last 10 years I've been studying this, there's been an expanding uh, number of applications for the ketogenic diet. And that could be uh, for things like, there's so many different things. I mean, weight loss is a big one, right? Type mm -hmm. 2 diabetes and weight loss is probably the most important, kind of like the low-hanging fruit of applications. And, and when I mention these applications, you could go to the national database of PubMed mm -hmm. and put in ketogenic diet and uh, type 2 diabetes and find a number of, you know, quality peer-reviewed publications that show it's remarkably effective. Uh, things like autism, uh, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease. There's clinical trials, you know, testing nutritional ketosis or ketogenic agents. Um, and even like things like polycystic ovary syndrome. Hmm. Uh, so it actually has a, a pretty, and it's just published, it has a very remarkable effect at helping women with polycystic ovary syndrome or different types of hormonal issues like even perimenopause and where there, you know, women will experience kind of like uh, uh, weight around the midsection, which mm -hmm. is due to insulin resistance. And we know that the ketogenic diet rapidly controls insulin and suppresses the hormone insulin. And that's how actually how we make ketones. By suppressing that hormone insulin, it facilitates fat burning, especially around the midsection, which we call intraomental fat. It uh, tends to be remarkably effective for mobilizing that fat for energy. Uh, even things like acne, like, you know, the ketogenic diet has been shown to help uh, people with acne and probably due to its anti-inflammatory effect. Right. So it tends to lower... Uh, a number of inflammatory molecules. Uh, our lab collaborated with uh, Yale University to look at a particular molecule, NLRP3 inflammasome. And you don't have to remember that, but just remember that it, it's a molecule that's kind of a hub for other inflammatory molecules called cytokines to be activated. Mm. And we find that the ketone bodies that are elevated uh, on the diet or even with ketone supplementation uh, tends to decrease the activity of this inflammatory cascade. And that can, and that has implications for a broad range of not only autoimmune disorders, but also age-related chronic diseases, things like uh, rheumatoid arthritis or uh, even things like, you know, Alzheimer's disease and cancer, which kind of creep up on us as we age and are kind of result, they actually result because we age, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe in the past we would die before getting exactly. many of these chronic diseases. But uh, so it can promote, you know, a lower state of inflammation and, and a general increase in overall metabolic wellness, which contributes to our quality of life, a better quality of life. And who does it not work for? Because I'm sure there's some people for whom it's just not the right recommendation. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and it, it should be used very cautiously uh, for people who have like pancreatitis, right? Because we know the pancreas, it's a high fat diet, right? And some people have fat malabsorption issues and mm -hmm. that could be due to the pancreas uh, works harder to, in some ways it works less because it doesn't have to release as much insulin, right? But the pancreas is tasked with the ability to make more pancreatic lipase, which is a fat digestive enzyme. So people who follow the ketogenic diet who have pancreatitis may, uh, may you know, need to supplement with pancreatic uh, enzymes. Mm -hmm. uh, people who have liver problems, elevated liver enzymes, or even liver cancer, when we follow a ketogenic diet, we're kind of forcing our liver in a way, in, in many ways it can improve liver function, but in some people, uh, the, the excess fat can cause, uh, 
if they have liver cancer, the liver does not make the ketone bodies. And the ketone bodies really provide the brain an alternative form of energy. So the ketogenic diet should really be undertaken by people with a healthy liver, uh, healthy kidneys. If you've had kidney stones in the past, mm -hmm. so the one, probably the main side effect from the clinical trials that have been done on the ketogenic diet has been kidney stones in kids. And now with a modified ketogenic diet, or if they supplement uh, potassium citrate, that the incidence of kidney stones is uh, not any higher than just a regular diet. So, but still, if you've had kidney stones, I would say use the ketogenic diet more cautiously. Make sure you supplement with potassium and drink lots of water, but it is potentially a risk if you've had kidney stones. If you have any kind of fat malabsorption issue, gallbladder, we know the gallbladder, you know, makes bile and bile is part of, you know, breaking down fats. So if mm -hmm. you've had your gallbladder removed, if you've had gallbladder obstruction, uh, it could be challenging. Ketogenic diet could be challenging. And I, I tell people, you know, lack of support. If, if you're living in a house that's full of candy and processed carbohydrates mm -hmm. and you're using the diet to, for the metabolic management of something like you know, I don't know, uh, a seizures or even, you know, cancer, cancer prevention or, or some other purpose uh, for a serious purpose, I would, the whole household really has to be kind of on board with the way that you're eating. And for kids, it can be a little bit difficult because they kind of feel ostracized, right? Mm -hmm. If they're among their peers and they, they can't have chocolate cake. But the good thing is, I mean, there are recipes and food products that are being developed that allow you to eat chocolate cake. Like I just had chocolate cupcakes the other night and they were purely ketogenic and they were made with a, a type of flour, like a, a hazelnut uh, or coconut flour. And they really tasted like legitimate <laughs> chocolate cupcakes. You're going to have to uh, give us their name. People, yeah. Because that's what makes people, it hard, right? Not having it, it access is, to alternatives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I guess I would say compliance, right? So for people that are using, so most people use it for weight loss or, you know, maybe for, for controlling type 2 diabetes, and they don't necessarily have to go on a ketogenic diet, just simple carbohydrate restriction. So instead of, you know, 60% of your or 70% of your calories coming from carbohydrates, which is kind of the norm, if they simply get, you know, 20 or 30% of their calories from carbohydrates and make sure those carbohydrates are low glycemic and from vegetables and whole food sources, that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But if they want results like super fast, which our society tends to do, and maybe once the benefits of elevating ketones too, uh, a ketogenic diet could be uh, a better option or to use the ketogenic diet for fast results and then transition to more of a, a low-carb uh, lifestyle, which is just really switching out all the starches, you know, with vegetables. I mean, it's as simple as that in, in simple terms. So how quickly can someone get into ketosis without having to constantly, as they say, pee on a stick to track that? Uh, typically, in your experience in the research you've done, say, if I start today a ketogenic diet, how long will it take for me to actually get into ketosis? Yeah, if you start a strict ketogenic diet uh, today, it takes a minimum of about 48 to 72 hours to really start registering ketones in your blood and and kind of in a urine stick. Mm. Uh, and that's part of the challenge too. So when you initiate the ketogenic diet, it's a stress to your body. So your brain, our brains are really... I don't know if addiction is the word, but our, our brains are dependent upon, to some extent, glucose mm -hmm. as its primary energy source. And when you're restricting glucose availability by restricting carbohydrates and then your liver gets depleted of glycogen and the hormone insulin is suppressed, that's mobilizing fats for fuel, but these fats don't cross the blood-brain barrier and you're running low on glucose. So those fats get converted to ketone bodies and those ketone bodies can then replace glucose largely as the primary energy source. And that happens beautifully where we are, our species, you know, over time, we had limited food availability during times of, you know, feast and then famine. Mm -hmm. So we're hardwired to transition into a state of fasting ketosis and uh, nutritional ketosis kind of kind of mimics that, but there's a period of, of, of dysphoria, I guess you would say, or being uncomfortable transitioning into that. 
So uh, it's uncomfortable for many people. And, and one, there's ways around it. You can add things like coconut oil or medium-chain triglycerides, which are found in coconut oil, or even ketone supplements, which are on the market. And they quickly elevate ketones and can kind of fill the gap until your body is kind of your, until your ketogenic you know, system in your body is revved up enough to start producing the ketones in sufficient quantities. And you, the ketones essentially make your brain happy. They mm-hmm. are of energy, and not only are they an alternative fuel for your brain and other tissues, but they function as powerful signaling molecules that can inhibit anti-inflammatory uh, or that they inhibit inflammatory pathways. So they have a very potent anti-inflammatory effect, and they su- they suppress the systemic inflammation that a lot of people may be experiencing from things like insulin resistance or uh, or just chronic even uh, autoimmune disorders, which can create uh, sort of chronic inflammation. And then we also know that ketone bodies, they, they function uh, as molecules to impact gene expression. So they can activate various um, genetic programs, if you will, or, or, or genes that can boost antioxidant protection in our body and, and actually uh, stimulate... Uh, uh, various genes that are associated with longevity and with uh, and with a, even increasing lifespan, which is actually a, a pretty hot topic of research right now. So the the researchers that are that are interested in fasting and calorie restriction, they're looking at beta hydroxybutyrate, which is one of the ketone bodies, as being sort of the molecule that's turning on the genes and the various molecular pathways that are associated with extending our lifespan and promoting more of health and vitality. So a ketogenic diet is one way to mimic that, to mimic the, the life-extending uh, health effects of calorie restriction. And nobody likes to calorie restrict, right? So, uh, <laughs> but I think the ketogenic diet can mimic many aspects of it from a molecular point of view. And that's it's quite a hot topic. Even in pharmaceutical companies are trying to, they're studying the ketogenic diet literally to figure out how they can create Model molecules make money out that of would it. mimic. Yeah. So they can mimic, <laughs> so they can, and uh, yeah, quite a few have contacted me actually. And they, I'm they're sure. interested in, in presentations that will quote unquote show druggable mechanisms of the ketogenic diet. So uh, that's hard to do because the ketogenic diet works synergistically with a whole bunch of mechanisms working together, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of, kind of hard to, kind of hard to do. Um, I'm glad. Is incredibly complex. Yes. 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 I'm glad there's food no way is to... our best medicine. But exactly. Let's, let's stick yeah. to nature and not pills. Well, this is the podcast for living longer and I'm thrilled to hear you say and, and validate that the ketogenic diet can help our listeners live longer. But do you have to do the ketogenic diet forever? Is it a lifestyle redesign choice or is it something that you do intermittently, which means you do it, then you get off of it, you still stick to maybe a low-carb diet, but you're not necessarily in ketosis? Yeah, that's a question I get very often. I think it really depends on the person, right? Obviously, uh, one of the first people that connected with me that is on the ketogenic diet and still on the ketogenic diet today continuously is an epilepsy patient. Uh, His name is Mike Dancer, and he's in the UK, and he's been on it for about 10 years now. Wow. And all the drugs, you know, failed for him and uh, actually incorporated Mike's story into my TED Talk, uh, which also talked about the Charlie Foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just kind of taking another step back is Charlie was the son of Jim Abrams, the Hollywood producer, and uh, his son Charlie had uncontrollable tonic-clonic seizures that were not responsive to drugs. And uh, being a very smart, resourceful guy, uh, Jim Jim Abrams went to the library and found this ketogenic diet and was kind of really uh, upset that this was not offered to his son as a therapy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he implemented, he worked with Johns Hopkins to implement the ketogenic diet for his son who needed to stay on the ketogenic diet for a number of years and then transitioned off of it and stayed free. So this is an incredible story. It was on like Dateline NBC years ago. And then his uh, friend, Meryl Streep, did a movie on the ketogenic diet. And yeah, many people don't know that Meryl Streep did a movie called First Do No Harm, which is a movie about the ketogenic diet. Oh, really? You can can find it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Look up Meryl Streep and 
uh, ketogenic diet or Meryl Streep in First Do No Harm. We will and, have to. Yeah, she starred in, in a movie about the ketogenic diet. So it's it's uh, and it talks about uh, Charlie's story uh, and and the Charlie Foundation is really one of the leading foundations out there that promotes. Uh, it's very interesting. Like when I first looked it up 10 years ago, it was the Charlie Foundation for Pediatric Epilepsy. And now it's the Charlie Foundation for Pediatric Epilepsy and all these other disorders too. So they help, you know, people, kids with autism and kids, you know, that have cancer, like uh, childhood cancers and things. So yeah, Jim Abrams, uh, he's done a lot with the Charlie Foundation. They are connected. They have about 150 to 200 clinics worldwide. And they're connected with Johns Hopkins and, and most of the major institutes around the United States. So, And their website, too, is fantastic for recipes. So go there. You can make you know, ketogenic brownies and, and you know, foods and all sorts of foods on their, their website, which has we'll uh, a number of recipes on there. And yep. So that would be a, a great resource for for your page. So, okay. So just getting back to your question. So, so kids, you know, with particular or, or adults, some people need to stay on the ketogenic diet as a powerful metabolic therapy that needs to work continuously. But I think for the average person who just wants to enhance their overall metabolic health, maybe get some longevity effects, I like to practice intermittent ketosis, which means that, uh, well, actually I do intermittent fasting about twice a week where essentially I don't eat breakfast or lunch and then eat within a a time-restricted window of, say, 6 uh, p.m. to 10 p.m. So within four hours of the day, I'll have dinner and maybe nibble and snack a little bit throughout the evening until I go to bed and and probably getting less calories, you know, on those days, two Mm -hmm. days out of the week. Uh, and on the days, even night three or four meals a day, I I will make them. I can make them ketogenic, you know, which is probably less than 25 grams of carbs per day for me. Or I could just do low carb, which is you know for me like 100 to 150 grams of carbohydrates per day, but primarily from vegetables. So especially you know in the summertime where the vegetables are in season, I'll have a couple salads and things like that. But I generally steer away from things like uh, pasta and breads and even uh, like potatoes, like Mm -hmm. heavy starches. Uh, Just because I feel better eating low carb, my body is pretty well what I call fat adapted. Mm -hmm. And I make ketones very quickly because my body has been, the longer you do the ketogenic diet and adhere to it, the easier it gets because you kind of, your palate changes and you don't crave sweet foods anymore. And the more benefits you derive from it, too. So the more you, but you don't have to do it kind of all the time. Benefits of it. If you just stay in ketosis, you know, every, you know, maybe two or three months out of a year or something, you just go in and out of it. You definitely feel the benefits when you go in it. And uh, and most people feel it from um, their cognitive and they feel more lucid and their energy levels are more stabilized when they're on it. They don't have these dips. So you're actually all the time. So you're actually cycling in and out every two to three months. Is that correct? For me, I tend because it's like the core of my research. Uh (laughs) You know, when I first got into this, I was like, "Wow, I would never do this diet." But it definitely is something that I started researching, and I was like, "Well, let me just." I I bought a book by the group at Johns Hopkins, and it was. a book, you know, at the time it was, you know, the ketogenic diet for, uh, for pediatric epilepsy, but the, the, that book has changed. Now it's the ketogenic diet for epilepsy and other disorders. It's by Eric Kossoff. So Mm -hmm. Dr. Eric Kossoff at Johns Hopkins, he's uh, head of the neurology uh, section uh, for the ketogenic diet. And he wrote a book about the modified Atkins diet and the modified ketogenic diet, which is a pretty easy form of the ketogenic diet to follow. So your listeners can look up, you know, Eric Kossoff at Johns Hopkins and, and basically, you know, get some articles on we'll the modified the ketogenic diet. And that's mm-hmm. what I follow. And uh, and so that diet puts me in a mild state of ketosis. Instead of my ketones being like two and three up to four millimolar, which is a level, the level in your blood that a lot of the kids that use it for epilepsy, Mm -hmm. I generally stay around like one millimolar, which puts me in a mild state of ketosis. And what that essentially means is that my body is kind of on overdrive and burning fat because the ketones are really only present in your blood if you're burning fat. And I like the 
benefits of the ketogenic diet, not to lose fat because they don't really necessarily want to lose weight, but I know that the ketones have this anti-inflammatory and even neuroprotective and even cognitive enhancing properties. Like mm-hmm. I feel, you know, if I have a writing project to do or if I'm really task loaded, mm-hmm. uh, which for example, when I was on the NASA extreme environment mission operations, the NEMO 22 mission, I was more task loaded than I had ever been in my entire life, even through academia, even when I was doing my dissertation defense. And you're, you're working with astronauts who are like off the scale and in, in cognitive and task loading abilities. And you have to keep up with them because you have the same sort of daily events and, and which are which is task loading you in many different ways in the various <laughs> things we had to do. So I kind of feel like being in a state of ketosis really helped me with that, helped me multitask. Oh, interesting. So it's and, a performance uh, And I really I feel it helped me. Yeah, in academia, it just helps me get more work done, too, just having my ketones elevated. Oh, there you go. Have a little more motivation and drive mm-hmm. and and ability. So I don't get hungry during the day, so I don't have to take time to go prepare food, eat food, and clean up. And I can just, like, if I eat my breakfast in the morning, then I'm, like, full throttle all day until I go home. <laughs> and that makes me a bit That's more efficient. Yeah, you bet. For, who needs yeah. caffeine, right? So I actually who swear by caffeine, yeah. yeah, I swear by MCT oils. So when I got really sick, yeah. one of the first things I did was of course give up all caffeine. I was trying to get my inflammation under control and so yeah. there mm. went chocolate and coffee and Starbucks and Pete's and so I had read about well Bulletproof was uh, was doing a great job with PR and so I bought one yeah. of their MCT oils and and lo and behold, one tablespoon in the morning would power mm-hmm. me up. Of course, now I swear by chaga mushroom tea. If you haven't tried it, I, I highly oh, yeah, recommend yeah. it. I use that too. I yep. love chaga. It's again, it's like a boost. It's right. like a booster shot first thing yeah. in the morning. But have you noticed a difference in different MCT oils? Or do you feel like it doesn't matter what brand you're going? Because there's all this, again, PR around, well, my MCT oil has this. And well, my MCT oil does it this way. Is there a difference or you feel you can be brand agnostic and pretty much all MCT oils are the same? I'm I'm brand agnostic to the point where, well, we we actually, you know, we study these in the lab and we use them yeah, in various, you know, mouse right. models and rat models. So what what I tell people to do is just buy the generic MCT oil. The now brand is probably the cheapest you can buy. It's like fifteen to twenty bucks per liter, right? And mm-hmm. that the, the elevation in ketones you get from that uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is like your primary ketone, is about 80% of what you'd get from like a brain octane because it has about 60% caprylic triglycerides, which is one of the more ketogenic ones. And then, so now nutrition makes, there's a, a wide variety of MCTs on the market. So we've tested that in a number of ones. And also Perillo Nutrition makes CapTree, which is caprylic triglyceride, and that's the C8 oil that is also brain octane. So they're one in the same. And uh, and if you look at the pharmacokinetics, so we actually measure like blood levels of ketones and, and these things in the blood, it's pretty identical to uh, to the brain octane and probably, you know, I think it's like 35 or $40 per liter, whereas uh, that would be I think cheaper than brain octane, which is a great product. And mm-hmm. I've used, I've used it and have it in my office. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's like the same thing though. So it's, it's pure caprylic triglyceride. So Perillo nutrition makes it brain octane. is just another, it's a high quality. Dave Asprey has a good product out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, cool. but you can also, I think, so there's some research suggesting that the 10 carbon, uh, medium chain triglycerides, which is capric uh, or octanoic acid, may have some unique sort of neuroprotective properties in and of itself. And that's found in the generic MCT that's not in brain octane. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, and there's even like patents on it and they're using it clinically and clinical trials and stuff. So it's like, you know, I was using the pure C8 for a while and then it's like, well, maybe just go back to the generic you know, MCT oil, which got my ketones up about 80% of mm-hmm. the brain octane. And then you're also getting uh, this uh, octanoic acid, which has some unique properties in and of itself. So so I use them both. I mean, to be honest, I have them at home mm-hmm. and in the office. 
And, uh, and if I'm fasting during the day, I guess I do what you'd call modified <laughs> intermittent fasting where I may, you know, I usually have coffee in the morning and some, sometimes I put the MCT butter in it and sometimes I don't, it just depends what I want to do. But sometimes I'll brew up a small cup of coffee kind of midday, no major caffeine after like 2 PM. And then I'll have like a small cup of coffee just as kind of a kicker in the afternoon. And then, you know, if I'm doing work, especially Mm -hmm. I'll have that, but I probably backed off on the coffee over the years, but then, you know, studies come out, like we have, uh, we have a a coffee researcher here, one of the leading (laughs) research. If you hear about coffee and Alzheimer's disease in the news, Mm -hmm. it's actually coming from the Alzheimer's center here and showing that about three to five cups a day is really optimal if you're looking at it. Uh, to function as sort of a preventative measure for Alzheimer's disease. So you kind of have to get a big dose to get some yeah. beneficial effects of it. But some people just don't tolerate coffee or caffeine well. Yeah. I'm genetically a very fast metabolizer. It came okay. up in my 23andMe profile. So that probably, you know, an indication why I can tolerate four or five cups a day. But generally I have about three. What other supplements are you taking for maintaining ketosis? Um. Yeah, so I use a, the MCT, or it's kind of like a staple of mine. There's an MCT oil powder that I like to use uh, when I'm traveling, and uh, because the oil is kind of messy to travel with. And then there's also probably three different uh, ketogenic or ketone supplements, which are actually the ketone body, beta hydroxybutyrate, combined with a mineral like mm-hmm. sodium, potassium, magnesium. And that would be uh, Kegenics makes a product, the Kegenics Prime product, which has medium chain triglycerides and beta hydroxybutyrate combined together with some things like uh, alpha GPC, which is can enhance neuro neurofunction, and a few other uh, things like uh, has a little bit of caffeine from the green tea. So Kegenics Prime is a really good product. I've tried and and I like. Uh, Prove It makes a Keto OS. The Orange uh, Dream product has the ketones beta-hydroxybutyrate with medium-chain triglycerides combined together. So, And that's really important because the medium-chain triglycerides continue, when you ingest it, they continue to stimulate your own production of mm. ketones while the product also delivers ketones as a form of a supplement but at the same time, with the medium chain triglycerides combined in it, uh, they are transported rapidly to the liver and they're easily metabolized. They're, they're unlike other fats, which can be stored, medium chain triglycerides are burnt very fast and they actually make ketones through beta oxidation of the fat in the liver. Uh, and then the other product would be uh, Keto Logic, which is a new product that's out, but it's, it's a good product because it spreads the beta hydroxybutyrate uh, across four different minerals. So you have uh, sodium, uh, calcium, pot- potassium, and magnesium. So the beta-hydroxybutyrate is combined with those minerals, and it's kind of spread out. Uh, and also, the product tastes really, really good. So, mm. uh, And that's part of, uh, you know, it tastes that's kind so of important. like... Uh, yeah, it, I guess it tastes like a fruit punch or high C or something like that. So you actually look forward to tasting it. Uh, so Keto Logic. And I have a, a link to that on ketonutrition.org website. So I know I do for Keto Logic, and I'll get the other ones up there too. So. Well, we're definitely going to put all of these links in our show notes as well uh, to, to just make sure it's easy for our listeners to get access to some of these supplements. There's some buzz around the telomeres and the ketogenic diet. What what have you noticed or what do you know about that in, in your research? Yeah, that's an area we were kind of studying that. We've collecting sort of tissue or blood, which would be analyzed. Uh, saliva is also kind of a newer, more non-invasive way to study that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not to be like super honest, I'm not a, a firm believer in telomeres. I think we have the capacity to, we're, we're very genetically uh, plastic through epigenetic mechanisms. And I think that can change pretty rapidly depending on 
stress levels, our diet. There's so many factors that can uh, affect the telomerase enzyme, and it can change very dynamically. So I guess what I want to say, it's hard to get a handle on what's actually working and what's not. Uh, you're probably familiar with the twin study that was done uh, with Scott Kelly and the astronaut and, and mm-hmm, his brother. That's right. And it was when he, yeah, and when you know he was in space, they thought his they thought his telomerase telomerase enzyme would decrease, but probably because they put him on a pretty rigorous, you know, uh, exercise protocol. His nutrition may have not been optimal, but it was right. certainly regimented. And I can tell you that you know when you when you work under NASA, you are on this, you work like a machine because we use this program, software program called Playbook. And you wake up and you see your name on the screen and it has all the tasks that you have to do and a little red line that moves across. And it's at first it's stress because you have to stay in front of that red line yeah. to do your task. Talk about and if stress. you fall behind it, yeah, and if you fall behind that red line, you not only are you screwing yourself up, you're screwing other people up that Your need team. to use that piece of equipment or do that experiment. Uh, but I can tell you, in the beginning, it's a stress, but then it becomes a lot of stress that people feel like when they wake up is just like the stress of not figuring out, not not knowing or being confident in what they have to do. Like right. they have paralysis by analysis, and they're like, what do I have to do? Well, when you're working with NASA, which he, you know, he was for that time period, like he, I, I think his mind was probably at ease, and that that actually can probably change your whole <laughs> mental outlook, which we know from neuropsychopharmacology or neuropsychoimmunology can impact, you know, even at an epigenetic level, kind of our physiological and molecular well-being. <laughs> so. Uh, so that, that's an interesting area of research, and I think NASA is interested in, in studying that. I know they're doing it on the mission that I was on, the NEMO mm-hmm. mission. Uh, and we know, I think ketones may impact longevity, which all the attention on te- telomerase has been on long- longevity, but it's probably doing it as a molecule that can suppress systemic inflammation. And we know inflammation can damage the nuclear genome uh, and create genomic instability and uh, the stability or the fidelity of the nuclear genome is tightly associated with the bioenergetic capacity of the cells and also uh, creating an anti-inflammatory state or I should probably reword it chronic inflammation or spikes in inflammation Mm -hmm. like pro-inflammatory cytokines that flare up when people have inflammatory disorders Mm -hmm. can actually damage DNA. And these are less likely to happen if you're in a state of nutritional ketosis because it just tends to dampen or attenuate things that would otherwise sort of, you know, cause an inflammatory cascade. And, and these are sort of experiments we're doing now with, you know, one molecule, there's various molecules that can do it. One is uh, lipopolysaccharide or LPS. Mm-hmm. So we're just starting up now uh, LPS experiments where it's injected, and then we look at inflammatory markers in the absence and presence of ketones, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that inflammation contributes to cancer uh, cachexia, which is, right. which is muscle wasting. So really focused on attenuating that chronic inflammation for things like muscle wasting and, and cancer cachexia and autoimmune disorders, which have a crippling effect on people. I mean, they have like things like Lyme disease. People have like crippling inflammation oh, from that. Absolutely. And, you know, a number of people have connected with me and maybe some people like, you know, about like Tim Ferriss even yeah. found that, you know, he tried many different things, but the only thing that worked for him was like keep a combination of fasting ketosis and nutritional ketosis. Like, you know, after all, all the other things that he tried. And this is not just him. I get quite a few emails of people with Lyme disease and, and other chronic inflammatory disorders who are very responsive to uh, to like intermittent fasting, really fasting ketosis or mm. or nutritional ketosis. And they use it intermittently throughout, you know, people may have viral disorders that cause, you know, inflammation like mm-hmm. shingles or right. or be herpes simplex and they break out and then they fast and they realize that it can like stop it from from getting any worse. So I have quite a few emails from people who have done that. 
What about the impact of a ketogenic diet on mood and sleep? Yeah, that's uh, something we're also interested in. And we studied that in uh, the NASA-NEMA mission. We still have to analyze the data yet. Uh, I found personally that my sleep... Uh, my sleep duration is shortened, but I have uh, a greater uh, duration of deep sleep and, and even REM sleep when I, when I do follow nutritional ketosis. So instead of sleeping, or I should reframe, instead of requiring seven and a half hours, which I would get if I'm not in ketosis, I can function and feel better uh, off six and a half hours. And this is something I realized early on. I just kept waking up a little bit earlier when I started following the ketogenic diet. And, uh, and I thought maybe because I was hungry in the beginning, I was right. waking up because I needed to eat or something like that. Uh, but it was, you no, know, after I've adapted and I just kind of adapted to not needing seven and a half or eight hours to six and a half. And then I guess the question was, well, am I just, you know, and I just felt like I could function better off six and a half hours. <laughs> and if I was under a situation which inevitably happens where you miss a night of sleep and you have to function off less sleep, I feel like I can function more efficiently uh, and more resilient, I guess you would say, cognitively resilient uh, under sleep deprivation if I stay in ketosis. So whereas if I'm not in ketosis, I actually, if I'm sleep deprived, I'm like craving sugar, I'm cranky, mm -hmm. uh, my energy Absolutely. levels are dip dipping up and down, and it's much more stabilized uh, you know, if I'm on nutritional ketosis. So that's one of the practical applications that I find, you know, with the, with the ketogenic diet. And also your mood tends to stabilize more, like for people who have bipolar have contacted me and said, you know, the diet is one of the few things that's worked for them. They've been able to uh, get off their uh, lithium they, or they knock it down to a much lower dose so that they're getting, you know, no side effects. They can reduce it to they're not getting any side effects from the drugs because they can use such a low dose. Uh, and anxiety. So my wife is a behavioral neuroscientist mm -hmm. and she works in the uh, psychology department and we published in Frontiers uh, Molecular Neuroscience that ketone supplementation reduces anxiety and that we use various uh, measures of anxiety that like pharmaceutical companies will use. One is elevated plus maze and just show that there's a significant reduction in um in uh, anxiety behavior up to 30%. Oh, wow. and, and one of the measures is the elevated plus maze, the, the, the rat will go out onto kind of like a catwalk out into like an open environment mm. uh, that's completely open, or he can go inside like a little cave and they, it'll, it'll decrease the fear response. And we see that when, when, our mice and, and rats are in a state of nutritional ketosis, they have greater exploratory behavior and they are more likely to explore an environment that they would typically be like more afraid of or have a Very fear interesting. response. Yeah. yeah, so we published that and that was, and it was not something that, you know, I was funded to actually even study, but we were, when we put the, the mice and rats into a state of ketosis, we just, we saw that they're easier to handle like, and we're handling them and petting them, and they're just much more, like, you know, crazy, actually. <laughs> so we're like, we need to study this. And my wife, being a behavioral neuroscientist, and uh, she was like, well, let's, you know, let's actually devise an experiment where we do that. And we collaborated with people, and we ran the study. And, and it was, you know, we observed it. Like, it was kind of obvious it was happening. And then we created a study to objectively measure it. So, so that was, like, one of the you know, emerging applications, I would say, of nutritional ketosis. That was unexpected. And uh, now there's quite a few people studying this, you know, even at, at various universities. Look at kids, look at, you know, cognitive behavior, you know, resilience, being able to maintain your attention, yes. you know, in school is yes, really important. And if your blood glucose is jumping up and down, you're going to get sleepy, you're going to get cranky. You're gonna, I think it can improve our children's, you know, behavior and academic performance if we were to kind of shift to this diet and maybe replace sugar with ketones. 
I, I mean, agree. we can make, now we're working to make ketones like taste good and they're bioidentical molecule that, you know, is in our body anyway. So I think, I think maybe that could be the future, like just really, you know, cutting back on, uh, on all this processed sugar, which really is not meant to be there. It's been a so, staple Especially of our if diet. it's consumed, yeah, yeah in excess. Uh, and so, it's always know, consumed in child- excess. Yeah, you know, well, I was going to say though, like looking back to my childhood, I kind of ate a lot of candy mm-hmm. and it didn't, I think, you know, I look back, I saw some pictures where I was kind of pudgy and probably, you know, probably not in the best of health, but overall I stayed like really active and maybe that's why I didn't put on, and my nieces and nephews are like, they look like little anatomy charts and they, uh, <laughs> and they, they eat lots of sugar and candy. So uh, maybe it's, but they're so active too. So but I know, I mean, the general population, I think it's a combination of just overconsumption. And it's Absolutely. so easy because you get a, you really get addicted to it. I know this is kind of a subject of debate, but when, I mean, I was just looking back when I followed a high carbohydrate diet, you know, and I would eat two or three hours later, I would be hungry. I would be craving. And those cravings are abolished, if not significantly attenuated, when you're eating low carb or ketogenic. And that's kind of like the practical application. I think it has to do with more, you know, people get the benefits because it helps to regulate and I would say normalize your appetite behavior instead of it being abnormal. And I could tell you, I had, I'm like, I'm pretty stable and and disciplined when it comes to eating and my diet. And I had situations where I felt my appetite was completely out of control Mm -hmm. when I would kind of calorie restrict for a while and then, you know, eat some candy and then, you know, it would, it was like a cycle would go up and down. So I can't, I can't imagine living in that state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's quite a cycle. It it really is so harmful, Yeah. but the binging and the craving of sugar is it's hard not to, when you get into that mode and it's, I I think that's what, our kids are into now, right? They're always binging on sugar. You've mentioned something yeah. a couple of times, and I just want to clarify that for our audience. You've mentioned nutritional ketosis versus functional ketosis. What is the difference between the two? Well, I mean, ketosis is defined by an elevation of these ketone bodies mm-hmm. in blood and urine. And so I talked about maybe sustained ketosis right, which is being on the ketogenic diet all the time or intermittent ketosis, Mm -hmm. which I think would be ideal for people just wanting to get some of the health benefits of it. I don't think necessarily, and I get this question a lot, can I be on the ketogenic diet all the time? Is it good to be on the ketogenic diet all the time? I don't think that's normal. You know, I mean, I study the ketogenic diet. I tend to stay on the ketogenic diet or I did for quite a few years, but now I kind of cycle between low carb and ketogenic diet. Uh, but for some people, I'll say that that continuously staying ketosis, they have some markers in their blood that that just kind of are really high, like their their LDLP uh, is abnormally high, and or you know maybe they become uh, their glucose starts to come up more, and and I don't know why that happens. I don't even know if it's like pathological, but I think that that there's a lot of people out there that are pretty gung-ho about this diet, especially once they start feeling the benefits and they stay in pretty deep ketosis all the time. And to be honest, you know, I study all the benefits of ketones and there are quite a few, but I hesitate to say that this is like a healthy diet to stay on all the time. I think it's probably good to just to cycle your diet and to stay metabolically flexible and to incorporate, you know, healthy carbohydrates, ideally in the form of like, you know, more vegetables into your diet and, and then maybe, you know, even things like sweet potato and, and other things. I generally stay away from grains because I just feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's good to, uh, to not stay in ketosis all the time. If you're a normal, healthy person, uh, just because we don't know enough yet, there have been people like, uh, adult epileptic, the epilepsy patients who have been on it for decades and their blood work looks great, you know, but I think for the large majority of populations, like, you know, a lot of people have fatty acid enzyme, mm-hmm. you know, uh, disorders where, you know, there's like 20 different fat oxidation enzymes and, and we can have uh, various SNPs that can, you know, cause us to be deficient in various ones. And, uh, and you know, these are actually an, an aspect of something that I'm studying right now. Uh, there's like 30 known mutations in, in one of the 
and one of the fat oxidation enzymes that I'm studying and that can manifest in different ways, you know, and that could manifest in, you know, a person not making robust levels of ketones or just feeling sick on a ketogenic diet. So I think people need to experiment with the diet themselves and objectively measure through blood work, you know, how they feel, mm-hmm. including like the typical blood work would be like a, a comprehensive metabolic panel, a CMP or a CDC, a okay. blood panel, and, and measure markers of inflammation like CRP. If your CRP is going down, if your glucose levels, you know, go down, and if you can measure insulin too, uh, which there's different kits for that, or you can ask to measure that, and that goes down, it's hard to argue that that's not like, and your triglycerides too. If your triglycerides go down, uh, and all those things happen, then it's hard to argue that this is not a good thing to follow. <laughs> so true. But if, yeah, so, and a lot of it may just be a result of, you know, you're mildly calorie restricting because your appetite's under control. Right. And if you do that, you could take any diet and pretty much any diet, and I'm not sure if it's like complete sugar diet, and you calorie restrict and you can see beneficial effects. Whenever there's a calorie deficit or what we call dietary energy restriction, Mm -hmm. it tends to kick on a lot of positive things. And so my, my, uh, not theory, my approach would be to use nutritional ketosis because when you're in a state of nutritional ketosis, it makes calorie restriction easy. It makes it like no problem. You just do it inadvertently and you do it to a point where you just mild calorie restrict where you get sort of the benefits. And what percentage would you restrict? So if I'm supposed to be on a 1400 calorie count a day, what percentage would I need to be on to consider it uh, a calorie restriction diet? Uh, I mean, it varies. It's it's kind of hard question to answer. So uh, once you restrict your cap, so if I tell people actually not to restrict their calories when they start the ketogenic diet and to get liberal amounts of fat in. And then, uh, and that kind of helps your body normalize in the beginning. Uh, but I would say this, I would say the goal should not be necessarily to like restrict unless you're trying to lose weight. But if you, if your basal metabolic rate is 1400 and you lose weight, your metabolism changes too. So your, your, metabolic or caloric needs will also decrease with that. Uh, but for the average person who say wants to lose 10 to 20 pounds, uh, a good place to start is about 10%. Okay. So you take whatever, and the best way to do this is not to like put in some equation is to actually like, you know, log for two weeks, what all the food that you put in your mouth and then calculate that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you look on the scale and your weight is exactly the same, you just divide, you know, that all your total calories by 14. And you know that that's, that's how many calories you need to have each day to maintain that body weight. So just, you know, I tell people eat normal, do before you do anything, just do two weeks of a diet journal and figure out exactly what's going into your mouth. Cause a lot of people are surprised at like how much, they eat. They may they right. eat their two to three meals a day, but they go into the to the kitchen and they grab a handful That's of nuts right. and they're like, oh yeah, I wouldn't include that or this or that or they grab this or that. So it's really important to get a handle on like actually what's going into your mouth and how many calories. Right. And then from there, then you can start constructing a plan. And then you can start, you know, and there's so many apps that are available. What's your favorite uh, app? Avatar Nutrition makes one. Uh, I like, you know, fit, fit day or is, is a good one. Avatar nutrition, uh, is a platform developed by my friends and it's kind of unique because it uses an AI system essentially. So you have to do a little bit work up front to put in kind of your parameters. And then like I just mentioned, you know, as your metabolism changes, if you lose five to 10 pounds, the, the avatar, uh, software will adjust that and actually prescribe to you, uh, tell you kind of what your macros, macronutrients should be. Ah, and we'll adjust to that. And if you, mm. yeah, so it's, and it learns your body. So the more you use it, the more information that it gets, it's like, you know, like the Terminator, right? It's, it's like Cyberdyne system. Like it becomes... Uh, it becomes like very smart mm-hmm. in the way that it, it starts to understand your body the more information that you put in it and it uses that information to 
prescribe you the calories that you need. Say if your goal is to lose 40 pounds over X amount of time, like the system learns your body uh, by the weekly uh, parameters that you put into it. And, uh, and it's kind of like, it's just, it's like another, it's like a, a step above things like Weight Watchers and stuff where you just plug in things and get a number. This actually, the algorithm, you know, learns as you go and, uh, and is a great platform. I'm working with them to incorporate nutritional ketosis as one tool in the avatar toolbox. Mm-hmm. So right now I think you could do low carb, but it's not set up yet. It's they're working on the algorithms, which is a little bit tricky for keto, but it'll allow people to, uh, it's just a, a really smart, you know, app-based system. Well, hopefully they're working they're on a keto have... watch. I, I can't wait yeah. for the day when there's a keto watch, it checks your sweat, it tells you whether you're in ketosis, it knows it's lunchtime, kind of pre-orders your meal for you, and there it is. It shows up from DoorDash. Wouldn't that be a great world? Don't have to think at all. That, it's just all done for you. That would be, yeah, like a Dexcon. So one of my PhD students, uh, Andrew Kutnick, he, he uh PhD student and is doing the work uh, in cancer research. He wears a continuous glucose monitoring system mm-hmm. because he's type 1 diabetic. So at any point in time, I can go and look and we can look at his data on his uh, on his monitor after he's eaten various foods that we have to test, mm-hmm. right? So he has a continuous glucose monitor and an insulin pump, but he can shut off the insulin pump and actually consume the food and he has the glycemic response of that food on there. So I envision a day where we can have, you know, ketones, glucose, lactate, and other things. And basically, you know, and that'll go to your smartphone and Mm -hmm. you can look at your smartphone and say, well, I can go eat this food supplement or food product and get my metabolic parameters optimized before I start working on this, you know, manuscript I have to write. Exactly. uh, It's important for like, NASA and for, you know, military personnel too, to be able to elevate ketones, for example, if they know they're going into uh, a particular mission where they're going to be exposed to high pressure oxygen with an oxygen rebreather and things like that. So that's, I view it from the lens of that because Mm -hmm. we work with the military to optimize their safety and performance. But from a broad perspective, I mean, it has tremendous applications for the entrepreneur who just wants to be their, right. their best. That's <laughs> right. Who needs to function on, on five hours of sleep and doesn't exactly. want to kill themselves through coffee. Yeah, yeah. This. Yes. I can see someone like myself, you know, five, six, seven years ago benefiting greatly. I was working all night with the with the Tel Aviv office and I was working all day in the U.S. And it would have been fabulous to have MCT oil at that point. So this has been, this has been so insightful as we wrap up, we've, we've had such a great chat. What is the one mandatory thing people that are listening to this podcast must do as they go into a ketogenic diet? What's the one thing you found that people either make mistake on that you really want to share with the world today? Yeah, I I would say the biggest thing that they don't do is they go into the diet and they know, you know, they have to restrict their carbohydrates to like less than 25 grams a day, which is a pretty good general guideline. But they like, they don't do something as simple as, you know, count calories or just count the the macronutrients that they're eating, like the grams of, of, fat and the, versus the grams of protein versus the grams of carbohydrates. They may mm-hmm. have a, a better handle on because they need, you know, they need to do that. But, uh, but yeah, I get quite a few emails a week from people who say they follow the diet, but their weight has not budged. And you ask them, well, how many grams of fat and, and how many total calories? And they don't know. So I would say, I mean, it sounds really simple, right? But I would say probably the most important thing is to track that, to actually mm-hmm. track and there's a number of app-based systems. If you want to get really fancy and you're serious about it, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of good platforms out there that will help you do that. But you could just simply, you know, kind of look on the food labels. And, you know, if it's an apple and it doesn't have a label on it, or an apple wouldn't be like part of a ketogenic diet, but if it was like some nuts or something like that, you can simply look them up uh, right. on government database and, and figure out, you know, it might have to do a little counting or just weighing, just having a scale on your counter and just throwing the food in the scale. Uh, and if you're not at home, throw the food on a scale, put it in a Ziploc bag and take it with you to work or something like that, or when you're traveling. 
So things like that. So I I think that's the most important thing. And also just to measure your ketones, because a lot of people tell me, oh, I followed the ketogenic diet. I did it. It didn't work. Well, did you measure ketones? Did you do that? And it's like, no, I never did that. Well, you probably, you most definitely were not on a ketogenic diet. So I would say measuring, uh, and you can get the the keto sticks at, you know, any drugstore. They're really cheap. They're like 20 cents a strip or whatever, Mm -hmm. the urine one. And if you're registering on urine, and once you start registering ketones in urine, you could be pretty sure you're going to hit it on the meter, too. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to get fancy, the gold standard would be a, a blood measurement meter like the Abbott Precision uh, Extra measures it. So I would say those are the, the main things that people should focus on. That's great tips. Those are great tips. It's great insight. Dr. Dom, thank you so much. Keep up the great research you're doing. And for the rest of you, you heard it. Yes, you can live longer, healthier, and happier on the ketogenic diet. You can, in fact, do that while sleeping less and feeling like a superhero and doing it all while smiling in a better mood and eating a a lot less. So give it a shot. Make sure you're following the, the exclusions and not doing it if you've got certain issues. Make sure you check the show notes for all the fabulous links to various sites and supplements. And we will catch you next time on another episode of the Live Longer Show. Make sure to share, subscribe, and rate. Till next time. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.